Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. We appreciate being a part of your day and what a day it's shaping up to be. We're going to talk through what's moving in the commodity markets with Darren Newsom, senior analyst at Barchart, here in just a moment. And then in segment two, John Baranek of DTN Weather will be joining us. Of course, planting is in focus across the Corn Belt. John's going to give us a heads up on what to expect later on this week. And then in segment three and four, we're going to talk about trade. Specifically, we're going to talk about state focus on trade. Luke Lindbergh, the president and CEO of South Dakota Trade, will join us in segment three for a look at what they're doing to promote South Dakota products. And then in segment four, Eileen Urish of the Illinois Soybean Association. They recently met with folks from the Indonesian Department of Trade, and they're going to talk about what they're doing to drive sales of soybeans into that part of the world. Before we get into all of that, however, let's talk about what is moving in these markets. And Darren, we've got CFTC, the uh, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission's Commitment of Traders data at hand now. It's up to speed with us. What are we learning from that data here in this time of planting? Yeah, the biggest thing was that, you know, everything that we thought was going on, particularly in the corn market, but also in the wheat, and we'll mention that here in a little bit, but everything we thought was going on in corn is exactly what happened. So again, the CFTC reports, really all they can be used for, and this is why I look at legacy futures only, the only thing they can really be used for is to confirm what we already see going on in futures. Again, trends are set by non-commercial traders and non-commercial traders' positions are shown in CFTC. And what we could see with that massive sell-off that we saw in the corn market was that there was heavy, long liquidation. And not only that, but they had moved to, that group had moved to a net short futures position of 60,630 some odd contracts. This was the, this was the largest net short position since I think mid-August 2020. Just an incredible change from what we've seen. But what it opened the door to, because there's really no reason to sell it. I mean, we still have tight supply and demand situation. We can see the May, July inverted spread. We can see, you know, new crop spreads also, you know, showing uh, just weak carry. And we've got strong basis. So there's no reason for the liquidation. So what they do? We started covering about midweek last week, and we finished the week on a very strong rally, again, as expected, knowing that they had moved into a net short. Darren, that uh, commitment of traders data, the ability to see that confirmation of who is doing what in the markets is fascinating. And I want to turn the focus. You mentioned the wheat market. Those of us who are in this market have been watching for three or four months at the amount of bearish headlines that continue to confront that market. And yet the price just continued to move down. Looks like the sentiment has changed. Is that true across all three wheat classes? It, it's true. Let's say it's true for the hard red, which would be Kansas City and uh, and, and Minneapolis. So soft red Chicago. Again, if we go to the spreads, you know, that's still borderline bearish. So, I mean, and, and in that case, you know, we saw that the non-commercial traders had increased their net short to 90,000 contracts. I mean, just an extraordinary number. But even in Kansas City, they'd gone to a net short of 12,000 plus for absolutely no reason. I mean, let, let's go back at the end of April. We saw the July, September uh, Kansas City future spread at an inverse of two and a half cents. So it's not a huge inverse, but an inverse is an inverse no matter how small and it's bullish. So that told us that the commercial side was worried about the about long term supply and demand, knowing the crop isn't there. Uh, and we've seen that spread as the market got hammered actually continue to strengthen. It was something like nine, nine and a half cent inverse uh, at last week's close. So we know the fundamentals haven't changed, but you're right. What has changed is that move to a net short, very similar to corn, that move to a net short in, in Kansas City wheat is starting to get covered. I call it the rubber band disposition. When you see the two sides of the market, commercial and non-commercial, get stretched so far apart, at some point it's going to break like a, like a rubber band. It's going to return to its fundamentals. In this case, fundamentals are bullish. Non-commercials are probably going to start covering, probably pushing the market higher. So, Darren, we're seeing that develop right now in the Kansas City. It looks as though we're starting to see that develop in the spring wheat market as well, watching that July up 11 cents. I imagine there's concerns that that whole crop might not get in up there. 
Yeah, you know, there was more rain over, and it'll be interesting to listen to John uh, in the second segment, but there was more rain across the northern plains and obviously missed out in the southern plains, but more rain across the northern plains, so a wet situation got wetter. It, you know, it's already slow planting for the spring wheat crop wheat. Again, very similar future spreads are telling us commercial side's been bullish. They're going to stay bullish for a while. But yeah, now you're getting the non-commercials covering. That net short position was about 5,100 contracts as of a week ago, Tuesday. So, I mean, they went short all three uh, all three week markets, and you're seeing them cover back in both uh, Kansas City and Minneapolis. Darren, those non-commercials set the trends. That's that outside money from agriculture. We've seen some big macro news. We saw the Fed raise rates another 25 basis points last week. We saw employment come in strong. We saw inflation, GDP come in a little bit disappointing. How do those macro factors impact uh, the ag markets here in the next two weeks? A lot of time. You know, a lot of times they don't uh, because, you know, the bottom line when it comes to grains is that, you know, it, it fundamentals win in the end. Newsom's rule number six. And so as long as we continue to show tight supply and demand situation, you know, the fluctuations in the dollar and the, you know, the overall global economic system, however one wants to argue it, uh, do it doesn't really matter because people still want to eat. And if not just folks, but then livestock still need to eat. It's not like you're just going to stop. Uh, if something changes, you know, economically. So sometimes we could look at, you know, the, the, the grain and oilseed sector as being a bit insulated from all of the goings on with the economic debates and so on. Yes, there is a play in the dollar. I mean, it does it does change, you know, possibly the value of what the of what our global, excuse me, what our domestic uh, commodities are. But in the big picture, if you've got strong demand, you've got tight supplies, you're still going to have strong demand and tight supplies. The biggest thing with some of the U.S. crops is that demand. this is the time of year when demand starts falling back, most notably soybeans. Demand is also tough in, uh, in wheat right now because, again, we don't have any supplies. So it's how all of these things fit together and play through. That's, where, that's what really makes a difference. And some of these economic numbers just kind of fall to the side. Well, Darren, we also don't have supplies when it comes to the cattle complex. Starting the week here, fats up 40 to 50 cents, feeders up a dollar already on Monday. Where does this cattle market go here throughout the week? It, from a technical point of view, the cattle markets, both live and feeder, look a bit toppy. Uh, they both put some topping patterns in uh, on their weekly charts last week, but I'm not going to be the first one to sell them. These things have proven time and time again that as long as the cash market wants to stay firm, and it did weaken a little bit last week, so we'll have to keep an eye on it. But as long as there's good demand, as long as there's good exports, good domestic demand, as long as boxed beef stays strong, it's going to be very hard to break these markets. You know, So unless we just see some sort of washout, and I don't see that happening, I think it's going to want to stay pretty close to these highs. We're going to get some big swings going along because there's going to be some fun positioning. Uh, but overall, I just don't see the, I just don't see the markets breaking down yet. All right, folks, might have some longevity there in the cattle trade. Continue to watch as we move deeper into summer and those supply situations start to change. We've been talking this morning with Darren Newsom, senior analyst over at Bar Chart. Darren, as always, we appreciate you joining us and sharing your insight here on AOA. Thanks so much for having me on again, Mike. Folks, stay with us. When we return, we're going to talk weather. Get the focus on the skies with meteorologist John Baranek of DTN Weather. Stay here. We'll have more AOA coming in just a second. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. 
Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. On the first Wednesday of every month, our friends from the National Corn Growers Association join us here on AOA for a segment we call The Monthly Grind. This month, we spoke with Sarah McKay about Consider Corn Challenge 4. We've had three to date, and these are open innovation contests that really look to establish novel uses for corn. So you think bio-based materials, products, and technologies that can utilize corn that don't currently today. So we're really looking at placing uh, things like petrochemicals, products that can be more environmentally friendly, but also grind more corn. This year, the challenge is actually up to the prize pool to $250,000 for our Consider Corn Challenge for winners. Cool quarter of a million dollars, Sarah. That's impressive. Tell us, where can folks go to learn more about the Consider Corn Challenge? They can visit our website at ncga.com slash new uses. Feel free to, to reach out to me at mckay at ncga.com. And I'm always happy to have that conversation or come even speak to grower producer groups about the work that we're doing here at National Corn. Tune in on June 7th for the next Monthly Grind right here on AOA. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for making AOA a part of your day today. And I know there's a lot of growers out there across the United States working to get those spring crops seeded. When the crop progress report from USDA comes out later on Monday afternoon, no doubt we'll see continued progress in growers across the country getting those seeds in the soil. But as we look to the week ahead, we're going to have to be relying on the weather to make sure we can still get some things done. And to bring us up to speed on what's coming on the weather forecast is John Baranek, meteorologist with DTN Weather. John, Thanks for joining us today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on again, Mike. Before we look too far as to what is coming, John, I want to talk about this past weekend. We saw some severe weather heat up across the country. I don't know that I've ever seen a storm event with more hail across a wider area. John, can you fill us in on what happened this weekend? Yeah, it's been a while. We had lots of thunderstorms popping up here from Nebraska all the way through Illinois, Indiana, into Kentucky and Tennessee. So there's kind of an arc there where we had some pretty good rainfall. It was really widespread, but yeah, as you mentioned, uh, came with a lot of hail. There were a couple of tornadoes and some wind reports out of it, but it was the hail that kind of stole the headlines. You saw some really awesome pictures of golf ball, baseball-sized hail uh, out of some of these storms. So it was it was pretty significant. You know, of course, May is, is that time of year when we typically see a lot of severe weather. It's uh, one of these months where we get a lot of heat building up in the atmosphere and still some cooler shots or disturbances moving through. I just really love to tap into all that. So uh, this is really the kind of the preferred time of year for, for all this to, to be going on anyway. But it was uh, pretty, pretty significant there across the, the middle of the Corn Belt. It was. And John, as you mentioned, it did come with some fairly good sized rain totals. What does that do for subsoil moisture here across, well, the parts of the Corn Belt that are needing some seed? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Nebraska has been having quite a tough time. And I've been hearing all sorts of anecdotes out there um, about producers really kind of living what they call hand to mouth with this, uh, with the rainfall, but there's a good section and not everybody in Nebraska got the rainfall, but there's a good section in there of one to two, two and a half inches of rain across uh, the mid parts of, of, of Nebraska. There's some of the hardest drought areas and, you know, across Iowa and into Illinois, there were plenty of spots in there that, uh, you know, just popped up on the drought monitor last week of having some dryness issues. And all of a sudden they get three to six inches of rain on top of it. Um, an area down there in uh, central Illinois that had a dust storm and, and a huge pileup 
um, for some dry conditions over the last three weeks, got three to six inches of rain and now we're in a flood warning. So, I mean, it's, it's been kind of a kind of wild turnaround here over the weekend. Yes. I mean, that weather can do a 180 before you can shake a stick. John, curious, as you talk about that dryness in Illinois being alleviated by that rain, have we seen any benefit for our friends down in the Southern Plains, that drought bullseye in Kansas and Oklahoma and the Texas Panhandle? Yeah, not over the weekend. They they missed out on it, unfortunately. And it kind of rained just about everywhere other than that. You know, that's kind of a pattern we've seen a lot here over the course of this year. Um, you know, the the rain they got two weeks ago was pretty good. They kind of missed out a lot last week, um, but the week ahead looks pretty good. And if you want to talk about the uh, situation here for this week, uh, honestly, we're looking at some pretty good weather um, for getting more showers into a lot of these drier areas again. Uh, we just got this kind of background ridge of, of higher pressure across the eastern half of the country, and that's producing some warmer temperatures, kind of drawing up a little bit more moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. And then we've also got this trough out in the west that is producing some energy, some disturbances to move out into the plains, into the Midwest and produce showers on, basically on a daily basis here throughout the course of the week. Uh, it's not large organized disturbances moving through. So it's kind of patchy areas of showers and thunderstorms moving through. And um, it's not the same areas getting hit over and over again. Uh, it's different areas each day um, and different uh intensity of thunderstorms and, and rainfall with each one of these. So it's really kind of a patchwork of showers and thunderstorms this week. Uh, but it's going to be possible over basically the entire country, all the way up and down the plains, up into Canada, and then across the Midwest, down into the Southeast as well. So really every area has got chances for it. Even these areas that are deep, deep, deep in drought from Nebraska down south to West Texas, we've got multiple chances for showers over the course of the week. Um, if, if there's any sort of organized event, it looks like it's probably Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, across, uh, the central and Northern plains into the Western Midwest. Um, but other than that, a lot of this is just patchworky showers and thunderstorms moving through. All right, John. Now, when you talk about a disorganized system, these little shots of moisture shooting through, I've got to imagine if it's disorganized, it's less likely to develop into a severe threat. Is, is that accurate or am I mistaken there? Less likely, sure, but not completely unlikely. Uh, like we saw over the weekend, we didn't really have big organized system moving through to produce these severe uh, thunderstorms. We just had the, the right amount of uh, what we call shear uh, or organization in the atmosphere uh, with heat and humidity, and that sparked it off. So, I mean, we could definitely see that anywhere uh, throughout the plains and Midwest this week. So we'll have to keep our eye on that just because they don't come in these, you know, nice solid lines moving across uh, large areas uh, doesn't mean that they can't produce some severe weather. All right. Keep your eyes on the sky. It sounds like everywhere across the country this upcoming week. John, the other concern I've heard from growers are these low temps. We've been below average across so much of the country here this year. It looks as though we're seeing some uh, some hotter colors on the temperature map this week. Are we pushing back towards normal? We are. Uh, you know, the northern end has been, you know, kind of you know, have, has been dealing with uh, the, the colder conditions, the Dakotas through Michigan, Montana, all the way up into Canada. Um, but we saw that kind of reverse itself last week from west to east and um, really is going to stay in line here throughout this week. We may see some temperatures kind of dipping down just depending on when showers move through and stuff like that. But for the most part, we're going to stay mild. We don't have any, any risk for frost this week. Um, and, you know, Maybe something comes through next week, but that's kind of a big maybe. I think most, uh, you know, this week is, as we talk about it, uh, things are just really good for, for growing plants. So if you've got your seed in the ground, uh, for the most part here, we're looking at good conditions uh, across most of the country. Um, you know, for those still yet to do some field work, um, it may be a little bit more difficult dodging some showers at times. Um, but, you know, with them coming in patches and, you know, coming every other day or something like that, um, you may find a window in there. For you to get some work done so you know even with all this rain coming through and uh, the mild temperatures should help out and the patchiness of the showers sh shouldn't be too damaging uh themselves either so overall i mean if you, if, you know rain at this time of year can be a double-edged sword where some areas kind of need it and they want it and they got their seed in the ground but you know other areas are, are are trying to get the seed in the ground and don't want the rain but overall it's kind of okay for both sides of that coin so um, I'm, I'm pretty happy about the, the weather, and I think a lot of people will be this week as well. 
All right. Well, that's good news for those of you who are looking forward to getting into the field. Maybe watch that weather. See if you can't uh, dodge some rain, but possibly have temps moving in the right direction. John, but of course, it's not just American farmers trying to get into the field this time of year. Our compatriots all across the northern hemisphere doing the same. Last year, you reminded us of the uh, the tremendous drought they had across Central Europe. Are their farmers set up a little bit better this year with that move? Well, I guess, does La Nina, El Nino impact Europe? It does, maybe to a lesser extent, because it's uh, kind of on the other side of the world uh, as the Pacific Ocean. Um, they have a lot more influence from the Atlantic than, than they do the Pacific. But, um, you know, yeah, you, you mentioned that they had just se severe drought across a lot of the continent last uh, season. They've had a really nice, consistent weather pattern here for most of the spring uh, for most of Europe. Now, Italy had some issues earlier on. Um, but those have been kind of alleviated for the most part. Uh, Spain has been kind of the one left out of all this pattern. You know, similar to what we've had in the, in the southwestern plains, they've been hot and dry uh, this spring and have had some issues with both their wheat and then uh, their, their corn uh, planting that they've uh, got going on right now. But as far as Europe goes, they're set up in, in a pretty good spot. We'll see how the, the, the summer shapes up. I'm not expecting anything kind of uh, widely uh, – impactful like the the widespread heat and drought they had last summer um but who knows anything can happen um but for for right now they're set up in, in a pretty good spot across all of europe and that includes kind of that black sea region of ukraine and, and western russia as well all right could see some more growers getting that seed in the ground john over in asia of course uh, we also saw a drought last year in china uh do we know how that country is situated so far as the growing season gets started yeah, they, they've had some issues uh, with getting uh, good showers there for the, the parts of China um, that grow wheat, uh, uh, oil seeds, and then uh, corn and soybeans haven't had the, the kind of rainfall they need. Uh, they're, they're in desperate need for more. Uh, they've had a couple of systems that moved through that brought some heavier rain, but uh, their soils are pretty dry. They've been reliant on, on some irrigation there. Um, so... The, the, the weather pattern for them to remains on the drier side. So there, there could be some issues in China, but you know, we've got a long season ahead of us. Um, but uh, yeah, they're kind of behind the eight ball right now. All right. A little behind the eight ball in Asia, a little behind the eight ball here uh, in some places in the U S Europe may be looking solid. There will be, as John mentioned, lots of weather headlines before we get this crop out of the field. But in the meantime, looks like this next week might be a good one. John Baranek, meteorologist with DT and weather. Thanks as always for your insight here today. Oh, I was going to talk with you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. And folks, stay with us. We're going to talk about promoting trade from individual states. Next on the program, Luke Lindbergh, president and CEO of South Dakota Trade, will join us from Kenya when AOA returns. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Welcome to the 2023 corn sprint. Please be silent as the runners take their marks. And looks like one plant has already pulled into an early lead because it's been enhanced with Biopath, a biological fertilizer complement from the Mosaic Company. Wait, wait, and the early favorite has crossed the finish line. Get the most out of your fertilizer investment. Don't forget to add Biopath to your early season application. Talk to your retailer about Mosaic Biologicals today or visit cornsprint.com. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Let's take a look at what's happening in this grain and livestock trade as we kick off the week on Monday. Of course, we have the May World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report coming up on Friday. That will be a big focus of traders here this week. Also, we continue to watch the Black Sea Grade Initiative and the Russia-Ukraine issues a little more short covering, it appears, here in the wheat trade early in the week as we're worried about the Black Sea Grain deal's potential non-renewal on May 18th. 
Poor crop ratings in the U.S. for winter wheat have also been supportive here as well. There was supposed to be another meeting for the Black Sea grain deal on Friday, but that apparently did not happen. So uh, just a lot of tension with that situation we're keeping our eyes on. Now we look at quarter wheat moving a little bit lower here early in the trading day on Monday as we see that uh, for the most part, weather, recent rainfall slowed planting a bit, but helped soil moisture in areas like Nebraska and western Iowa, which were very dry. Weather, though, not seen as a bullish factor in this market. It's a bit more bearish as we still have plenty of time to get the crop into the ground. We continue to watch the outside markets after the Federal Reserve raised interest rates again last week. Debt ceiling worries are definitely a concern in this broader market trade. We're going to be keeping our eyes on moving forward as well. Crude oil is rebounding up $1.57 a barrel, $72.91 here at last check on this Monday. Livestock trade is relatively mixed. A little bit of strength here in live and feeder cattle with hogs pushing a little bit lower. Traders are looking pretty cautious here in the livestock markets as we kick off the week. Overall, cord and beans trading anywhere from one to seven lower with wheat futures. Chicago mixed around unchanged with Casey and spring wheat up moderately. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. 54. So basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA continues today, and our focus next is on trade. We discuss trade a lot on AOA because without it, the agriculture industry is in trouble. And in order to continue to promote trade, we've got to continue to find new buyers on the international scene. And a lot of times, that takes a team in order to get the ball across the finish line. Joining us now is one of the folks on that team. Luke Lindbergh serves as the president and CEO of South Dakota Trade. He's talking to us today from Kenya where he's over there on a trade mission right now. Luke, thanks for joining us here on AOA. Mike, good to be back on with you. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk first about what you're doing over in Kenya, Luke. What sort of work is happening there? Yeah, we have a delegation, Mike, of 14 different folks from around the country uh, representing a variety of industries and segments uh, here to talk about the potential trade agreement that's currently being negotiated between the U.S. and Kenya uh, and we're here, I'm here particularly to make sure that we get agriculture represented at the table there. That is so crucial. And when we think about that U.S.-Kenya FTA, Luke, the reason that's so important in this time right now is because it's kind of the only free trade agreement we've got working from this administration, isn't it? That's right. We, you know, we have one going right now uh, with Kenya. There's some, uh, there's a bill in Congress right now talking about a potential U.K.-U.S. free trade agreement. Uh, but right now we need to kind of figure out what, what does the new trade agreement structure look like? You know, the Biden administration, I think, hasn't really figured out what they want in a trade agreement. They haven't negotiated any under their tenure. Uh, and so we're here to help sort of figure out what the curbs and gutters might look like on that and make sure that uh, our interests are represented. Well, let's talk about your interest, Luke, because, of course, coming from South Dakota, you're coming from both an agricultural and a manufacturing state. What do you think South Dakota needs as we pursue these new trade agreements? Market access is the biggest thing. I mean, if you look at Europe has twice, if you're a European country, you have twice the uh, access to tariff reduced markets than a South Dakota company does. 
China right now is actively negotiating eight new free trade agreements. We only have one on the entire continent of Africa, and that's in Morocco. And Morocco, because of that, in my opinion, it, it, it's the reason it's one of the top 10 export states for soybeans. Uh, we export a lot of soybeans from South Dakota, and Morocco is, is one of our top 10 markets. And so for me, it's really important to, to open up those market access pieces that give us those, those tariff-reduced uh, entry into the market, makes us more cost-competitive and, and more able to sell. Well, and that's what it all comes down to is finding those buyers. So for those of us who, who spend our life in the U.S., maybe we're on our operation, we don't get to go knock on doors on these, these international uh, meetings. Luke, what's it like on the ground in Kenya for this trade delegation? How are you highlighting the benefits that American products can bring to Kenya? So we're, we're meeting with local buyers here, local farmers and ag groups. Tomorrow we'll be visiting uh, a Feed the Future program office here in Kenya, which is a U.S. agency for international development program where we actually train farmers uh, here to grow their crops more efficiently and effectively. But also it helps us to create that farmer to farmer connection point where then we actually end up selling goods because they make different things here in Kenya than we do a lot of times. You know, they are our big coffee and tea growers. They make different fruits than we do, like mangoes and uh, guavas and other things like that. And, and in exchange, you know, we, we grow things that they don't necessarily grow as much out here. And so um, that farmer to farmer connection is an important piece. But then it's really, uh, I think, a whole of government approach. You know, we're not going to just win new trade agreements based on agriculture alone. We have to have the full uh, suite of American indus industries and in interests represented. So tonight we're having dinner with the ambassador, Meg Whitman, uh, former HP CEO, is our current U.S. ambassador here. And so we'll be meeting with the ambassador for dinner tonight to talk about uh, the progress that's being made and, and what interests lie ahead. All right. Well, that will be a fun dinner there. And I'm curious, when you're talking, Luke, from a South Dakota perspective, a lot of times when we hear trade promotion groups, they're coming from the United States writ large. They're big categories of groups. They're trying to, uh, to swing things and change policy on the international level. You're speaking specifically for South Dakota industry. How does that make the SD trade message different when you're sitting at a group like this? Well, we're, we're, I'm a targeted voice, right? I mean, I'm able to represent the viewpoint specifically. Again, we grow a lot of corn and soybeans in South Dakota, but we have beef interests and pork interests, all the things you know and love. For me specifically, though, I have other groups that I, I work closely with, like the financial services sector is big in South Dakota. And so I'm able to to voice how we can provide financial services here. You know, the tech industry is growing quite large. Um, but then also, like you mentioned earlier, Mike, it's, it's about manufacturing and the rest. So um, I'm able to bring that small business, small farmer, you know, family farm voice to the table and really tell how this impacts us back at home in a meaningful way. And I think in the end, you know, stories are what really make the difference in, in having people understand why these kinds of agreements uh, are needed and actually make a difference in the end. So, so when we're able to voice those stories and tell the impact, uh, I think that really carries the water a long way for us. Well, you know, and I think that's a great point, telling that story, showing how trade impacts people, because I'm sure when folks are thinking about South Dakota, if they're unfamiliar with the United States, but they know where South Dakota is, it doesn't have a border with another country. There's few navigable waters in South Dakota. You wouldn't think of it as being export driven, but trade, as you've mentioned, Luke, is so crucial to the, the industries of South Dakota. How do you measure how important trade is in your state? Well, I, I always think, in, particularly in agricultural trade, Mike, too, it, it's really a regional activity. You know, sometimes we get caught up in politics about Republicans versus Democrats, but uh, a lot of times agriculture is kind of more of a regional uh, activity to, to work towards. And, and I think with trade, that's particularly important. You know, we don't process all of our products in South Dakota. We'd like to do more of that. Um, but it's really bringing that Midwest regional perspective that says, hey, we, we grow important things here. We, we would like to you know, export more and work together. And so uh, a big piece of it is really revolving around how can I bring that voice of, of Iowa and Nebraska and North Dakota and Minnesota and, and the other states along with me as well. So, so I really view that as, as part of my role and responsibility here. You know, there's a couple of folks uh, on the mission that have some background from, from the upper Midwest, um, but, but the majority of folks are from other parts of the country. And so I, I think it behooves me to to make sure that our region is successful, because really, in particularly agriculture, all boats rise uh, when we work together.
Absolutely. And anytime we can sell what we're producing off our shores, folks, it doesn't count in our balance sheet anymore. It might help prices move a little higher for producers right. as well. Luke, thinking about that commitment from the, the regionality of agriculture, are there other state-level groups around the Midwest or around the country that you work with to help bring those voices to these missions? Absolutely, Mike. We have uh, every every one of our Midwestern states has an international trade office. Um, in, in some respects, we were the last one to the table in South Dakota, but uh, we're fired up and, and moving fast here quickly. Uh, our, our closest probably uh, working partnership is with North Dakota right now. We largely based our South Dakota Trade Association after the North Dakota Trade Office. Uh, and the team up there has done a great job. But I, I have good working relationships with all of the heads of the trade offices in our neighboring states. And I think that's important because, again, they're at meetings that I'm not at and I'm at meetings that they're not at and, and trade delegations and the like as well. And so um, we want to make sure that we're, we're speaking the same language and, and talking off the same talking points and singing off the same song sheet, whatever that, that right analogy is there. <laughs> yeah, it's good to keep everybody on the same page. That's for sure. Luke, before we let you go, I'd like to bring the focus back to these planning for new trade agreements, trying to figure out what the Biden administration wants in a trade agreement and how it can work for South Dakota. You mentioned market access is what you're looking to see for South Dakota firms. Is that tariff reduction? Is that elimination of sanitary and phytosanitary restrictions? What's the big win in the world of trade today? Yeah, Mike, I, to me, the, the most important is tariff reduction, because I think it makes our products and services as competitive as possible. Uh, but but there are non-tariff barriers that implement uh, that that uh, are important to look at things like um, uh, reduced regulations and, uh, you know, certain environmental considerations as well. And so, so I think that there are other components. Trade agreements are definitely not straightforward each one is unique and different in its own right i mean workers rights and things like that all, all matter but at the end of the day really what we're trying to do is provide uh our joint markets us and the the other country with an opportunity to buy goods at a lower price that are not being taxed on their way in the door and to me that's the that's the crux of it and that's really where i think we start to see the economic benefit is when you if you look at this i mean if you look at the five-year average after we sign a free trade agreement agricultural exports to those countries almost always go up. And, and I think that in large part, that's because people are able to buy those products at a lower price. That certainly makes sense. And it's a, it by removing tariffs, of course, it's a barrier that everybody sees. So cleaning it up makes it easy to get those products moving. Luke, the other thing we've heard a lot from this administration are the economic frameworks. You mentioned the Indo-Pacific economic framework. In your mind, is that a good way to start these negotiations at least? Mike, my, my opinion on this is that uh, we, we did a pretty good job negotiating the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, renegotiating what formerly was NAFTA in a way that uh, provided protection for our domestic workers, our, our folks here on the ground who are working hard to produce these goods and services, but also opened up new market access uh, in both Canada and Mexico. And so I think we have a great bipartisan example of how to do this the right way. Um, now, not 100% the right way, but but pretty close. And so uh, I would prefer to see us go in a direction where we can try to replicate that model as opposed to talking about a framework which really doesn't have any teeth into it and is not legally binding and, quite frankly, doesn't follow the Constitution and requires, uh, you know, Senate approval, which to me is an important piece of our, uh, our diversified government structure. So, uh, Mike, I, I'd prefer to veer away from the, the, the framework structure and go back to something that we know works. That is a great point. It is good to have that congressional oversight, which we don't get on the framework. Folks, we've been talking to Luke Lindbergh, president and CEO of South Dakota Trade. Learn more about their group at SouthDakotaTrade.com. Luke, thank you so much for joining us and enjoy your dinner with the American ambassador to Kenya. Will do, Mike. Thank you very much. Have a good day. We'll talk soon. And folks, stay with us. We're going to keep the focus on trade. We're going to talk with the Illinois Soybean Association about their work promoting trade. Stay here for more AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity and vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. 
a champion of courage, an advocate for hope. You are not alone because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We We win. We, we, we we are are the the foundation foundation fighting fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. On the first Wednesday of every month, our friends from the National Corn Growers Association join us here on AOA for a segment we call The Monthly Grind. This month, we spoke with Sarah McKay about Consider Corn Challenge 4. We've had three to date, and these are open innovation contests that really look to establish novel uses for corn. So you think bio-based materials, products, and technologies that can utilize corn that don't currently today. So we're really looking at placing uh, things like petrochemicals, products that can be more environmentally friendly, but also grind more corn. This year, the challenge is actually up to the prize pool to $250,000 for our Consider Corn Challenge for winners. Cool quarter of a million dollars, Sarah. That's impressive. Tell us, where can folks go to learn more about the Consider Corn Challenge? They can visit our website at ncga.com slash new uses. Feel free to, to reach out to me at mckay at ncga.com. And I'm always happy to have that conversation or come even speak to grower producer groups about the work that we're doing here at National Corn. Tune in on June 7th for the next monthly grind right here on AOA. On the internet, there are tons of special networking websites, but one stands apart. This one saves lives. It's MatchingDonors.com. MatchingDonors.com links organ donors with people in need of kidney and other transplants. Did you know in the U.S., 19 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant? If you've ever considered becoming a living organ donor, or if you're someone in need of an organ transplant, please visit MatchingDonors.com. At YMCA Summer Camp, kids find their why. Friendship and fun, a world of adventure beneath a golden sun. Running, laughing, full of wonder. Being themselves is second nature. Summer Camp is where they begin to unlock the confidence that lies within. When kids find new passions, they find their why. Summer Camp season starts soon. Learn more at ymca.org for a better us. It's the most important race of the year. The one where winning is everything. Where the decisions you make now can and will define your entire season. The yields you're dreaming of are either won here or lost here. This is Corn Sprint 2023. You win it with Biopath, a biological fertilizer complement from the Mosaic Company. Specially formulated to make nutrients more available during the most critical uptake periods and strengthen root systems for better absorption. It's the kind of edge that gets your crops all the way to the finish line with greater yield potential, greater return on your fertilizer investment, and just plain old greatness. So win the corn sprint. Include Biopath in your early season fertilizer application. Contact your local retailer or visit cornsprint.com. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. 
Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA continues this today. And, you know, we just spoke with Luke Lindbergh. He's over there representing South Dakota's interests in Kenya. Recently, Indonesia came to the United States and they spoke with the folks at the Illinois Soybean Association about that partnership. Joining us now to help bring us up to speed on that is Eileen Urich. She serves as the trade and export manager for the Illinois Soybean Association. And Eileen, thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, Mike. It's good to hear from you this morning. Well, let's talk a little bit about this meeting that Illinois Soy had with the folks from the Indonesian Ministry of Trade. Eileen, what were they in town to talk about? Yes. So actually, I'm happy to talk a little bit more about the work that we're doing here at Illinois Soybean Association in the trade space, specifically in Chicago. You know, we have such a wonderful resource right in our backyard upstate, and there's so many businesses uh, that we share a lot of uh, resources with. And one uh, one resource that we would really like to take advantage of is the consulates. And those are some of our best customers that have offices just in Chicago. And so that first meeting that we had with the Indonesian Trade Ministry was just a part of our strategy to connect more with the consulates in Chicago. And so the Indonesians um, are a huge trading partner of ours here in Illinois, specifically because of our resources to the transportation systems. And so we were really happy to connect with them and just discuss opportunities for more growth, uh, for consumer consumption of soybeans. Um, but what else can we do to help them in their uh, trade efforts and the partnership that they share with the United States? You know, I'm so glad to hear that Indonesia has been a good customer. They've been a loyal customer, Eileen, for American soy, because as I look at the map, Indonesia is a country with a lot of apparent potential, given that the population mm -hmm. is growing and that we've got a relationship and, and they've been buyers of U.S. soy already. Is that right? Yes. We've been collaborating with them since the 1980s. So it's a really strong relationship that we have as a whole from the United States. But like I mentioned, Illinois is very unique in the fact that we have such good connections to the rails and the um, Mississippi River where we can export just about anywhere in the world. That is a huge advantage. And I've got to imagine having Chicago, as you mentioned, bring some of these dignitaries, bring some of these foreign officials to the city. Eileen, I'm curious, is there a way for soy growers in Illinois to capitalize on that better? Can we get them out to farms? Yes, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, actually. I mentioned our strategy is really to diversify our markets. And one way that we're doing that is getting these exporters, these buyers, these consumers of our product not only to the state, we know we have Chicago as a huge attraction, but if you just head 45 minutes out of the city, we have some of the best farms in the United States right there. Um, our chairman, Steve Pitstick, actually lives in Northern Illinois. Um, and we really like to bring these foreign dignitaries onto a farm, show them where their crop is grown, harvested, uh, produced, and then shipped uh, to their, their local uh, businesses. And Eileen, do we see a correlation between getting countries' representatives or business representatives onto farms, and then do they do more business with us? I mean, does it work to sell more beans by getting these folks onto the ground to see how it works? Yes, we believe so. And actually, I think it's just all about you know the education and uh, really understanding where that product is coming from. And we know that our farmers are really proud of the work that they're doing to grow a sustainable and efficient uh, product for for our consumers. Um, but there's oftentimes um, a, a lack of knowledge in that space. And so just being able to see that product for sure really increases our chances of exports. It does. It's good to get that boots on the ground experience to tell tell really how uh, American agriculture works to these foreign buyers. Eileen, what are you looking forward to this year from a trade perspective? Are there any new initiatives from ISA or or things that you're excited to see pushed out to growers? Yes, this summer, actually, you know, we've had quite the several years in the traveling space. And I think people are really itching to get out and about and having that interaction face to face, as you mentioned, boots on the ground. And so our busy time for these trade visits really happens in the summertime. Now that our farmers have had the chance to get in the fields and get a lot of their work done, uh, we invite these uh, different buyers to the farms um, and we'll just show them around. And so a lot of that happens actually in the August timeframe because we partner with the uh, United States Export Council um, to uh, 
to host these trade teams. And there's a huge conference actually in New York called Soy Connect. And at that conference, it's an opportunity for buyers, farmers, um, exporters alike, all to interact. And that's just a, what a wonderful opportunity for these buyers to be on U.S. soil and for our farmers to connect with them um, in such a dynamic way. And so I'm really looking forward to that opportunity to get everyone together in one space all together again. It is good to have the globe getting back together in person to be able to tell stories and show physically how these things happen here in agriculture. Eileen, if we've got listeners out there and they're curious to see how the checkoff is promoting soybean trade there throughout Illinois, tell us where's the best place to go to keep up with the work you're doing there on the Trade and Export Committee. Yes, our our website just got a revamp. So if they could visit IllinoisSoy.org, that is a great place to get resources. And I would even challenge you further to visit the trade and export page. And we just launched our new live interactive trade map. And you can find where your soybeans are being produced all the way to their journey to their different exports, whether that's in Egypt or Asia. Um, and it's you'll get some behind the scene videos from our farmers and all of our buyers alike. So I really encourage you to check that resource out. And Eileen, that was at ilsoy.org. Was that the, the website? That is correct. Fantastic, folks. Check that out. Keep up with what's happening here on the international scene because it matters to your bottom line. Eileen Urish, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you, Mike. And folks, tune in tomorrow to AOA. We'll be talking about meat exports with our friend Dan Halstrom from the U.S. Meat Export Federation. We'll also be talking to the folks at the Owner Operator Independent Drivers Association because there has been a push to put speed limiters on all heavy-duty trucks. And now there's a bill pending in Congress that would put a halt to that. We'll talk with Norita Taylor tomorrow about that program. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll see you tomorrow for more AOA right here. Have a great one, everyone. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Get on board. The water is open. It's time to go boating and fishing and leave stress in our wake. Feel the wind as we ride and a fish on the line. Reel in our first catch and feel the sun at our backs. It's get out on the water season. It's time to get on board. Find out where to get on board near you. Visit Take Me Fishing and Discover Boating to learn more. And please recreate responsibly. Get on board. Get on board. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines keep on digesting for others and that's not all you can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor restoring sight and health and you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant you're touching whole families with your life-saving gift register in minutes just go to organdonor.gov you'll be happy you did and just maybe someone else will be happy too sign up today Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.